Welcome back. Happy New Year. This is KJ from Around the Way with Mr. B in the Place to Be. And I'm proud to say again, this is Hoops' is Religion Podcast. Um, first and foremost, I would like to apologize for being on a hiatus, but as you know, life happens. And, um, you know, we've got a chance to um, do some amazing things. Still involved in the game of basketball. Um, we got a chance to extend our community work and um, help out the youth through the game of basketball. So we, we kind of got caught up in that towards the tail end of last year. Um, that's one of the reasons why we weren't able to come in and record as much as we wanted to. But um, it's 2020, it's a new year, and we're happy to say that we're back. How you feeling, Mr. B? Season 2, we are back. I'm a little under the weather, but but anytime you get to talk about basketball, it just takes it all away. Yeah, I can't even tell that. I, I can't even tell that he's under the weather. He sounded like that on the way here, but, you know, when it's go time, it's go time. Shout out to Rec Room Studios. We are home. We are settled in. It feels like we was here last week. Like we never left. And I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be able to do this again. Season two, you know, um, I just want to thank everybody that um, supported, downloaded, Anchor, Spotify. um, Apple. Apple. uh, They followed the IG, you know, followed us on Facebook. Um, Thank you for support. Supporting, we're gonna to try to make season two better than season one. Um, we got a lot of things coming up on deck, and um, hey, look, I'm just looking forward to just continue going, going down this path, going on this journey with y'all. So, we just gonna play a little bit of catch up, you know, because the last time we were recording, um, you know, we were heading in, we were just heading towards playoff time of week final four, mm-hmm. going on. Um, the Raptors was looking primed to make a run. And Shout out to Kawhi Leonard. They did. Shout Captain Claw. Kawhi, a.k.a. the legend killer. He's like the, the Terminator. Of the NBA right now. And how one person in less than, in like under a decade has affected the trajectory of the whole NBA. I think the only other person in the league that has been able to do that that's in the league right now is LeBron. You could say Steph, too. Yes, Steph Curry as well. Steph too. You know, and um, hey, look, that that, that series was a good series, but um, there was a lot of Kawhi, not enough Durant. He's that uh, he, you know, he ended up getting injured. He's in Brooklyn now. We are gonna get to that later. Yeah, some of us are happier that than others, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he's gonna be here for a couple of years. Once he gets back on the court next year, we're going to really start look talking about the Nets as one of those top teams in the league. Free agency was crazy. Um, I, I figured Kawhi, if he was going to come home, he was going to go to the Clippers. He wasn't going to the Lakers. Um, Clippers got him and Paul George now. So the West is running through the Staples Center one way or the other. You know, the Knicks, eh, still, still a disappointment. Um, we're going to get into the fire in the Fisdale when we get to the local hoops report. But we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, jump jump in really, really quickly. Because um, there also is a lot of stuff that's been going on. Some rookies have been surprising us. Some teams have, um, they have exceeded our expectations. Some of them met them. Some of them failed to meet them. So we're going to get into all that in, um, in the next segment. Um, is there anybody you want to shout out before we go in on this? Because I know this is our first time here. You know, we got to get that, that 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 mic rust off real quick. And well, fr- I- well, first, you have to shout out to everybody who's been listening. Of course, Rec Room Studios, who always is supporting us whenever we come over here and we do this type of thing. So I got to shout out that. Um, got to shout out the 37 family. Shout out to the 37. The 38 family. 38 you know. family. Yo, shout-, shout out to the B7 squad, man. You know, we really out here. You know, that's 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 my new extended family. They're one of the blessings that I took out of 2019 with me. So, you know, much love to them. I was with them last night. I had to dip out early because I knew I had to be here to record and get ready. But it's all love, man. It's all love to everybody, man. You tell and, them work had got work in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but we here on, on MLK weekend. It's a three-day weekend. So, you know, we trying to get it in as quickly as we can. So we can get this podcast out to y'all, get this episode out to y'all. So let's just jump right into it, man. We are about halfway through the 2019-2020 NBA season, and um, we've been watching, as we always do. So um, one of the things we were just talking about, just in general, is just looking at 
things from the from the top on down. Milwaukee and LA right now is the top two top teams in the league, and I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody. And the irony of that is. Milwaukee, like Giannis and LeBron are leading in the votes for both as captains right now, I believe. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because I can't think of anybody outside of those two that should be um, the captains of the All-Star squad. Um, LeBron, this has kind of been like a, a reckoning season for him. Um, he's giving me, like, Mama said, knock you out vibes. You know, for some of y'all that are a little too young, right? So when LL came out and he was coming out back to back to back at one point he was a king of rap he came out walking with a panther people were slandering him they said he's washed he's done this that and third and he came out with mama said knock you out the hat around the way girl on it and um, he ended up winning his second Grammy for mama said knock you out when people said that LL was done he said don't call it a comeback and I've been Le- here for years and uh, hey, LeBron is having a don't call <laughs> yeah, it a I've comeback been here for season years. He got a co he got a co MVP next woman, Anthony Davis, who right now is looking like the favorite to win defensive player of the year. And um the the team is they gelled quicker than I thought. But honestly, I still feel like they're missing something. Um they need some more depth at the point guard and I think they need some more shooting and maybe another person that can create their own shot outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But we can say that about all the top teams. All the major teams on the upper top of their conference, all of them can use either one of those things. And if they can stay healthy too. Yeah, and health is really a big, um, big issue right now. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why Philly is six right now. And um, Philly's one of the teams that I had very high expectations of coming in. I had them as a top two team in the beginning of the season, and I also had them winning their division. But it was going to be a close race with Boston. You had Philly winning the division? Believe it or not, I did. Not I. You know, I felt like Boston has a lot of great pieces to go around Kemba. Because to me, Kemba is Kemba is their guy. But at the same time, I also felt like outside of Kemba, you also have insert name here. You can say Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, who just signed the extension, and he's showing everybody. So like, Gordon yo, Hayward. Gordon Hayward, he's coming back, getting him in the fold. So, um, And he he's also been in and out the lineup. So they haven't really, despite all of those those things that has been um, affecting them as far as injuries and rotation-wise, they've still managed to stay in the top three from the, the start beginning. of the season. The beginning. So I actually have Boston at this point. I feel like it's going to be Boston and Milwaukee in the conference finals. Mm, I wouldn't count out Miami But I don't want to count out Miami Because Miami is a team that also exceeded my expectations And in this case you can't count out um, Can't count out Toronto either Oh yeah Toronto They're still the champions I have a thing When you're the champ You have It's yours until somebody beats you And um, They're showing Even without Kawhi Leonard That they're still a, a good team That you need to pay attention to On the scouting report Pascal Siakam is going to be an all-star For the first time this year as he should. As he should. As he should. I think Fred Van Fleet is making a play to be the starting point guard for the foreseeable future for the Raptors. And they just really do a good job of developing. Um, Nick Nurse coming from the G League team as a coach and Siakam and Van Fleet, they, their farm system basically is setting the precedent for them to come into 2020 as a team that's going to be around for a while. Because I had the Raptors not even contention, believe it or not. I had the Raptors between um, four and six, um, but Indiana. Not has, surprised. I'm not really surprised. I'm just more so. I'm very impressed by how they've been able to hold the fort down um, until Oladipo returns. I believe he's supposed to return at the end of the month because right now we're um, recording yeah, on MLK month. weekend, so he's supposed to be back in about like another two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be no pressure for Oladipo to come back and be and rush and rush. He can. Find his way back, and I think by playoff time, he should He'll be playing be by playoff really time. good ball. And that four-five seed right now is looking like Toronto and Indiana. It's going to be a slugfest. But it's um, going to be an interesting one. Four to six is um, four to six is only separated right now by like by a game. So right, it could be right, Toronto, right. Indiana, and my and Philly actually. Mm-hmm. 
And um, Philly Embiid is out right now, so we'll see what happens when he gets back. But I like the way the East is looking because the second half of the season, one through like two through six is gonna really be fun to watch, and then um, seven and eight. Ooh, the Heat in a Magic matchup between the players. That would be really interesting. Oh, yeah, that's... that's, that's the um, Heat in a Magic playoffs. That's a block fight right there. Literally. I'm surprised with the Magic actually still holding on to the seventh seed the way they are. And they just lost... And they lost um, Jonathan Isaac for a stretch, who I had as a um, most improved player. He was one of my votes for most improved player. And the interesting thing is, too, without... um. With Kyrie being out for most of the year, the Nets are still um, holding down the eighth spot. That's and they got a comfortable lead over the ninth team, which is Detroit, who has been disappointing. I lost Blake Griffin for the season. You in and fantasy. I both. <laughs> you and I both. So I'm like, one of my leagues, I'm pretty much washed right now because I lost Blake Griffin. Um, besides that, when you look at the bottom half of the Eastern Conference, Chicago, Charlotte, Washington, Cleveland, Knicks, and Hawks, uh, everybody's pretty much where I expected them to be. Um, I think out of all of those teams, I think Chicago, their growth, they I think Chicago is making a lot of strides in the right direction with Zach Levine and um, Wendell Carter. So I think they're, they, I think I give them a year or two before they're right back in the playoff contention. Washington, ugh, we can. I'm not even going to Washington because Bill is injured. Big, the big guy, Thomas Bryant, was out for a while. Wall ain't there. I don't know. Because right now they got Wall. That contract is unmovable. He got a history of injury, so I don't even know where they are. They stuck in oblivion right now. But um, Don't count on Charlotte either. And I don't want to count on Charlotte because... um, They got their point guard in the future, Devontae Graham. Yeah, Devontae Graham is that coming in and else. taking advantage of his opportunities. Oh, and outside of that, Malik Monk has been playing a little better, but they haven't really been able to develop their draft pieces. So ugh, at this point, I can tell it to you like this. With the bottom half of the East, we'll talk about them as the college season ends and we start our draft talk. Because um, that's really what I see from them. All of these teams are lottery bound. So I don't feel like we need to spend too much time on them. We'll probably get back to them as the season heads to an end and we talk about the draft. Um, back to the Western Conference. Denver and Utah are 2-4 and four respectively. They started off slow, but they've been picking it up. Utah's been one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, I think they're going to be they're going to continue um, leveling up. Um, but you also have the Clippers. Once I, once again, I still believe the Clippers and the Lakers are the two best teams in the Western Conference, and the West is still going to run through the Staples Center. But the Rockets is knocking on the door. I don't care if they're the fifth seed; they're still knocking on the they're door. They're going to sneak up on someone too. I think they're going to try to, you know, put themselves in that, um, try to get into that three spot, so they don't have to worry about running into the Lakers. Um, and Dallas right now too. They're they're on the outside knocking in. So one to two through six is gonna be a scrum, just like in the Eastern Conference. Oklahoma City and Memphis, are, they got the seven and eight spots right now. Those are two teams that also exceeded my expectations. I don't know how you feel about them right now, Mister B, but damn. Memphis, Memphis. I'm not surprised. Actually, I kind of am surprised on Memphis. Um, and it's really a testament to how Memphis has always been one of those teams to play hard. Yeah, and then John Morant, yo, gotta give the boy, literally you here. gotta give the boy his credit. He came in there and turned that franchise upside down. Because did you last, see that dunk that, he almost pulled off? Not the dunk, the pass. That was a pass he did. With the, when he was in the end, he did the behind the back. That was a pass. Yeah. That yeah. would have been the assist of literally no pun intended the decade. Yo, that was crazy. And the decade just started. That should have been an assist. If he made that dunk against um, Wolves, he almost jumped over Kevin Love. Literally, he dunked on Kevin Love. I he dunked on Kevin Love, he but he almost Love. jumped over him. So, with that being said, I want everybody to just take note. Stop sleeping on players coming out of mid majors because if the last decade was to tell you anything, I only have two names. I only have two names to tell you: Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Who are along with the rest of the Portland Trailblazers currently tenth? They've um they've they've performed below expectations. But remember those names because they came out of mid major schools. So when you see a John Morant coming out of Murray State this year, you better put respect on their names because guess what? Division one ball is still Division one. 
my engineer can attest to that. Because he's been around the block and he can tell you Division One is Division One. No matter where you go, you get the opportunity to play and show your talent, somebody's going to see it. Shout out to Murray State. Rookie of the year, John Morant. Point blank, period. Jaron Jackson. Big leap in year two. He's going to be an all star. God, Valanchunas looking like he legit out there, too. Valanchunas is looking like what I thought he was going to look like in Toronto. Like, damn, that's like, yo. Like, I'm not so like I mean again if it, and I get the opportunity like before like the um the draft me and Mr. Jones actually got to see the John Moran in the NBA store and you know you look at him like not that you're taking nothing away from him you mm-hmm. look at him like oh okay you know it's like it's cool and all but then when you see it to see him on the court you like damn you like okay <laughs> it's like all right now you now you got really you like now you really respect it because to think. Then when you see somebody, you know, it's like, don't judge a book by its cover type of scenario. Mm-hmm. And then when you really you get to see what they're all about, and at an NBA level nonetheless. And know. that's so true, because an example of that would be Nikolaj Jokic. Yeah. Because when you see him, he don't got no cuts. He don't look diesel. He's not athletic. He, he don't look like athletic. Slow. He don't look athletic at all, but. But he'll give you a triple-double, though. The guy can play. The guy can play And I got a name For the old school cats too That like You know Perfect example Like a guy like Jack Sigma They used to play For the Seattle Sonics Back in the day You see him He had the He had the Sid Vicious haircut You wouldn't even think That this guy Was a ball player But I mean He's probably one of the Most solid centers Of his era Doesn't really get Talked about a lot There's a lot of guys That they might not Look like ball players But then when they Get on the court They know how to Play the game of basketball You know And Jokic went off he came in a little bit out of shape, but now he's been he's been coming on lately, and he got Denver in prime position to um, contend. So just remember, we can't be sleeping on guys that are coming from uh, small schools. Even with Luka Doncic, when Luka came in his first year, people had doubts. I'm like, yo, did you watch him playing for Slovenia during the FIBA Worlds? And he was doing that, and he was, what, 17, 18? On a world stage against professionals. And remember, he's been playing professionals since he was 15. That's his coach say. He comes in like plays professionally. He came in ready. And his leap, his second year leap can easily be compared to LeBron's. That's what they've been comparing him to, actually. And rightfully so. He's earned that comparison because he's been playing like a grown man. And he got Dallas ahead of their schedule. Once Chris Dapps gets his legs under him and he really starts to be able to play more consistently... Yo, that Dallas team is gonna stay be healthy, and they gotta stay healthy. But that Dallas team is gonna play dangerous, man. They're gonna be so dangerous right now. You know, Phoenix, even Phoenix. I'm looking at Phoenix right now. That's 17 and 24. They're another young team that I also had good. I, I had high expectations for them, but DeAndre Ayton got ex, um got suspended. I think it's, that's what hindered them too, though. And I think that's what hindered them because I think if he was there for the whole season, they, they play better than what they show. Yeah, they would be on the outside head. looking in. Your team, San Antonio. Um, I think they're just like they're I'm in transition. Su- right I'm not now. surprised about the Spurs, and honestly, it's not because of the Spurs itself. If you look at how the West gradually changed just over the summer, Kawhi yeah. coming to the Clippers and having Paul George there, then you have LeBron and AD there, Russell and James there, then you have Porzingis and Luka there. I honestly thought, see, San Antonio is always one of those teams that played based off a playing style rather than having a talent. Like, you can't take away nothing from Ginobili, Parker, and um, Duncan because they are about, like, their first ballot Hall of Famers. Absolutely. However, they also played within a system. So now you have the talent. Like, and granted, LaMarcus Aldridge is older, but he's not playing like the Portland LaMarcus. DeMar DeRozan, I think he's now starting to come off for the last couple of games. I see where he's starting to put those numbers up like he's capable of. He's mm-hmm. actually too shy away from a triple-double. But they, as you said, they are. They're in flux right now. You don't know if they're this team that can sit there and make a run or this team that's going to fall out. But we all know history tells us this lesson. <laughs> you never count out a Greg Popovich team. Yo, this you is never, the ESP right now because in my head, I'm like, he's going to make this point in three. Two, never one. because lo and behold, they might start off slow, but it ain't how you start, it's how you finish. Facts. So, they're Facts. what ninth right now, they're not too far out of the eighth spot, even though again, Memphis is playing well, though. 
But once it's time for the Spurs to turn it on, they'll be at. And speaking of the Spurs, um, let me just send a big yeah. shout out to Tim Duncan because he is now eligible for the Hall of Fame. That 2020 Hall of Fame class is looking ridiculous right now. Kobe, Duncan, Garnett, Chris Bosh. You know, and there's a couple of other people that are definitely need to be in there because they're long overdue. Put my boy Chris Webber in. Please. Tamika Catchings, Swin Cash also. You know, this is going to be a bomb Hall of Fame class. My man Michael Finley, who's an underrated guard in this era. You know, remember, Michael Finley was part of that first Dallas Big Three that broke through. Um, but within that context, I will say this. When you're talking about a San Antonio Spurs, they also missed DeJounte Murray last year, and he's having a really good year. Um, but I think they're also trying to figure out, um, they're trying to get to that consistency. Um, but like I said, I would never count the Spurs out because the Spurs is, you know, as long as you got pop, you got a chance. And Memphis, can they keep this, can they keep this momentum? And um, I think Popovich is going to make sure he gets the ball. They're going to play either through DeRozan and Aldridge. So whoever got it going for the stretch, that's who they're going to play through. If LaMarcus, because like, like the last couple of games I've seen, like, you know, LaMarcus will have a game where he, like, the last game he had was 30. Then the game before that, he had, like, what, 13. So I don't know if it's the amount of touches he's getting or if he's just not being aggressive. I really don't know what it is. But he, in order for the Spurs to really be that team, that very team that they people are going to have to take seriously, because granted, whether people like it or not, he still is a dangerous power forward in the game. Mm-hmm. But he's going to have to at least be more consistent within his scoring because some games you having 30, then 13, it doesn't show consistency. Yo, I need at least 20. Like, yeah, even if it's 20, 20 plus, like 20, like 20 even plus, 21, man. 20. Because granted, sometimes, it, like, again, with his rebounder, sometimes he'll have a game where he'll have 12 boards and then he'll have a game where he'll have, like, three or four. Yeah, so if you're going to have 12 boards, you need, like, yo, I'm an I'm a old school. Like, if you're a big man... You an all star big man. I need ten boards for you, mandatory. At least nine. No, 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 being ten. The least. I'm old school. Ten, cause the era we, I, the era we grew up in watching power forwards, and you looking at the back of their basketball cards, they were averaging ten rebounds a game. Even on a, even on an off night, they were averaging ten. They were getting ten rebounds. You could just pencil them in for ten rebounds. Not too many cats in this league. You could pencil in automatically for ten rebounds. That's true. Porzingis another one. Poz- Come on, man. Porzingis still don't got his legs. Still don't got his legs. Even before then, he wasn't getting least. He still was getting like mm-hmm. five or six boards. He still should have been getting more than that. Like I'll give Seven you a perfect example, right? Draymond Green. If he decides, yo, I'm gonna get ten rebounds every single game for a whole season, he can do that. Sure. sure. Look at that's R- in his R- DNA. That's in his. Look makeup. at Rondo when he was in Boston. Rondo at least Rondo is a great rebounding guard. That's what Westbrook, I'm saying. Great rebounding guard, and we was talking about him, and we are gonna talk about him. You know, on on our on, during our all decade team discussion because we was talking about this earlier, but the fact is he's a great rebounding guard. Got got guys and players that want to rebound. They're gonna get you rebounds. You know what I'm saying? That's why. And I was thinking about it while he was talking about it because I was thinking about the whole Draymond Green thing. Look, the Warriors got the worst record in the league right now, right? Everybody's laughing right now. Everybody's ha haing on the Warriors right now. But let me tell you something. Laugh now because next year when they get Clay back. And Curry's back healthy again, and Draymond's back healthy again. They're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. This is a hiatus year, so get yours now, because next year they're gonna say y'all want my spot back. All of y'all gotta take two. I guarantee you that. This is a development year, so right now they're trying to figure out who are gonna be the players that's gonna fill out the rest of the team around their core. Like, they can trade D'Angelo Russell for a piece that they need. Or they can keep him. I don't know how that's going to play out. They're going to get a high draft pick. They can package that high draft pick and D'Angelo Russell for a piece. And one of the things, and I read an article, and I watched a video on YouTube, and they were talking about a trade where a Ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how that would work out. Because that all came from Philly questioning people are in Philly and people around the NBA questioning if Embiid that wouldn't work yeah I don't I don't think it will work but I think that's something that 
I think that's just getting the room because it's trade if, season. If you if you so look at talk if you about look at Golden State's reason for success, their last couple of games, what were they known for? Screening rolls and then finding open shots. Ben spacing. Simmons, yeah, spacing. Ben Simmons doesn't like to shoot. No. So how are you gonna trade for a guy who doesn't want to shoot? Exactly. That doesn't that defeat the whole purpose. Even if it was like a mid range jumper, he doesn't. To counter this point, Draymond doesn't want to shoot either. And but Draymond, his shot be flat. But Draymond will actually shoot before Ben Simmons, though. Draymond yeah, is not one of yeah. those where, okay, I got the ball, I'm going to hold it. Draymond will make the play that calls for. But Draymond's open on that three-point line, yeah. whether his shot is flat or not. And whether you'll live with the shot or not, he'll look, okay, I'm going to take it. And he'll occasionally knock it down. But Ben, he ain't, mm Yeah. And that's why, like, when that when I heard that, I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, it could be a good fit basketball-wise because that puts the shooters off the ball. With Ben Simmons being a threat to get to the basket, now you got to be like, yo, am I going to shut down this basket of Ben Simmons? Because that's just going to open him up to find the clay and, find the clay and find his Steph. That would be nice. You know nice. what I'm saying? So that, that role, fit yeah. helps, too. D'Angelo Russell in Philly spaces the floor for Embiid. He can create for himself or create for others. So I, I feel it from a basketball standpoint. But my whole point is this. And I just brought this up to make this general point, And then we're going to go into our um, outlook for the second half. And then we're going to go into the local hoops report. Now, you're looking at a situation where the Warriors are on a hiatus here. Now, they have the pieces that they need to be very aggressive in the market this summer. They can package D'Angelo Russell, a draft pick, and maybe a couple of those young pieces that have very flexible contracts and have showed themselves to be solid contributors on the NBA team. They could put a package together to get a piece. Like, they're looking at the situation in Minnesota really closely with Carl Anthony Towns, which is interesting. Um, however, when you look at what they're doing as a team, I'm looking at a rookie like Eric Pascal who is looking like baby Draymond, and from what I'm hearing, Draymond is mentoring him, so he can be that sixth man of the future for Golden State. Alec Burke has been playing very well. Because Pascal did start off hot early in the season, too. Mm-hmm. He did. Willie Cauley-Stein has looked good in stretches. Kevon Looney's been injured. He's a part of their future. So this year, Steve Kerr says the one thing about this year is he's, you know, he's teach, doing a lot more teaching, but at the same time, everybody knows the big picture. Their big picture is next year. This is no different than the first three-peat and the second three-peat for Chicago. And here's the parallels. 94-95, Jordan was retired. Jordan came back 95. You know, they had to do some adjusting. This is the Warriors 94-95 in one season, but just more leaning on the injury side. So... We are going to see what happens. I think in the second half of the season, the Warriors continue on this path. And you're going to start seeing who's going to be around more in the future by the time this summer comes out. Championship, not this year, but next year, get your, get your stuff together. And even if the Warriors, even if they don't, obviously, you know, when Steph went down, and Clay wasn't coming back and KD left. You honestly knew, okay, the Warriors wasn't going to be the same team they were for the past five, six years. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anybody's really looking at them like that. Oh, yeah, hi, you know, because if they had all three of their guys and they were still losing this bad, which I doubt, then they'd be like, okay, then I get it. But I don't think really nobody's looking at the Warriors like that. And plus, they're not, if you think about it, as you alluded to before, Get a high draft pick. You know Steph was coming back. You know Clay's coming back. He's already been putting up shots lately. Yeah. And Draymond, once he starts getting his legs up under him again, the Warriors will be all right. Now, granted, where they'll land from one through eight, I guess they can still put them top five. I can't take them out of that. I know they'll at least be top three or four. But right now, until they get their legs back on them, the Warriors will be all right. Yeah. They'll be okay. That's why I, that's why I wasn't really sweating what happened happened in this season. And as far as my outlook for the rest of the season, and I think I say this for both conferences, I think everything is going to stay stay steady. Um, Memphis is probably the only team that may have a likelihood of trending down. 
But then that depends on how Portland, San Antonio, and Phoenix decides. I mean, how they do in the second half. And then the Eastern Conference is pretty much going to stay steady. It's just going to be a, a fight between two to six. Um, and everybody's going to stay steady. Um, I don't see no. I don't see nothing below nine changing. I tell you what, Portland season. I knew how Portland season was, and part of me should be happy about this because this is my team, though. The moment they lost to the Knicks, I kind of knew how Portland season was from going on from there. Damn, that, I kind of, I kind of knew, and that's I was pretty like, low. and Portland's really like one of my te- favorite teams. I love to watch. However, I've always said this: Portland will go as far as Damian and CJ will take them. Because when you really look at it, besides now Carmelo Anthony, and you could say Hassan Whiteside, who does Portland really have for them to lean on? So now when you sit there and you look at it now, they're with the ninth seed when the last couple of years they've was the, what, third, fourth, or fifth seed. That's a significant drop. Injuries. And they really do, yeah. You could say that, but they really do have the same team, though. But they still and they still need some pieces. They do. They need a lot of pieces, not just a little. They need a lot. They need a lot. They need a lot. Like Carmelo, having Carmelo there is a good start. Having Hassan Whiteside, who I think with inertia comes back, Hassan should still start, even though Hassan is injury prone also. But he should still start because of the work he's been putting in. So you still have okay. That's one, two, three, four, five right there. Then you go into free agency, you find somebody else who you can sit there and bring along there. Because they, oh, they lost Rodney Hood, too. Oh, yeah, Rodney Hood was yeah. a good piece for him, too. They lost Rodney Hood. So when he gets back, that's what set you yeah, six. You bring them back, go into free agency, find some more complimentary pieces. Portland should be right back where they were. But Portland's a team that what we think they are is really what they are. Mm-hmm. So if D- Damian and CJ have an off night, Portland's going to have some trouble. Like my man in the NFL said, they are who we thought we are. We are who they we thought they, they were. And just to segue that, because we about to go to break, Portland need pieces, but the Knicks need a miracle. <laughs> when we get Jesus. back, we're going to go into our yeah. local hoops report, and we're going to discuss the state of the Knicks and the state of the Nets, because there's been some interesting stuff in the papers. Okay. Interesting stuff that's been. Um, and for once, it's not even really about the Knicks. Yeah, and it's not really about the Knicks for that's once. That's the ironic part. And we are going to get into that when we get back. <laughs> this is Hoops is a Religion, and we are back off a of hiatus. Season two. Hiatus. The Giants front line, the Yankees pitching, and the Knicks, period. Right? So, the Knicks. Right now, even though they suck and they have sucked consistently for the latter part of the last twenty years, please don't remind me. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't do that. I'm sorry. I but there's certain this. things that are gonna be um, that are just facts. Like there's certain things that is part of life in New York, like uh, traffic on the uh, tribe. Oh no, not on the tribe. Or traffic on the FDR and across the island. Traffic on a BQE. Um, lots bagels. The, um, the blue coffee cups halal with the carts. Greek things with the, the Greek coffee cups halal carts and the Knicks being down 20 right these are things that are a part of life and this season is no different so we can start off this local hoops report by talking about the mm-hmm. firing of Fisdale time out actually this year they wasn't down at 20 as much you're right not. they really wasn't there's like maybe 3 or 4 games they was down 20 yeah that's actually true some of the games they lost maybe like 1, 2, like 5, 6 points but so, it wasn't down like blowouts so technically, okay. Um, hoops is a religion. We're back, and now it's time for the local hoops report. Where we'll be talking about our beloved New York Knicks, and um, our still little brother in the city, but not for long, Brooklyn Nets. Need damn right, y'all still need little brother. <laughs> hey, listen, as a little key. brother, I will say this: y'all got key, you kind of read on me, shit. You right, you right. But let me tell you something. As somebody that's a little brother, I will say this. And, um, you know, shout out to James because James will definitely attest to this. Yo, little brothers are supposed to give you headaches and he's supposed to push you to be better. So I would hope that Brooklyn is pushing the Knicks to be better. Because the Brooklyn has everything that the Knicks do not have right now, and that's a culture. And a better owner. And a better owner and a bright future. At least... 
front office wise. And a hell of a coach that's given the space by ownership to do his job. Yeah, front office wise. Yeah, definitely. Yes. How do you feel about the Fizdale firing? Mm. It's nothing wrong firing him. It's how they use him as a scapegoat to fire him. I agree. You see, if you was going to fire him because, like, look, we're not meeting expectations. You know, the players aren't developing. They're not being competitive. Fine. Fine. But the blasphemy part of all of this was after a game, that they lose to, I believe, what the Cleveland Cavaliers. You go have a press conference and sit there and say, oh, well, they're not playing as competitive as I thought we would be. Who the hell thought this team was going to be that competitive? Okay, fine. Granted, now they have been playing competitive. We knew they expected to be more competitive, but not competitive enough to be no 8th, 6th, 7th seed. And then you sit there, you blame the coach for this shit? Oh, no, 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 no. So, granted, yeah, you could fire him, fine, because Mike Miller has been doing a better job with them. I will give him his credit. He has. But, but, no, you don't fire him, be off some nonsense like that. I mean, yeah, okay, fine. You want to sit there and say, let's go in another direction. Cool, but don't use a man as no scapegoat because y'all screwed up. He ain't the one who went out there and picked all these players and sit there and signed them for these one-year deals, which was smart. But still, he ain't the one out there who was doing the signing. He ain't put the team together. No. How you blaming him? He ain't put Steve the team Mills is the one who put the team together. Fire him. So if you was going to fire Fizz, then I still stand by that Steve Mills should be the one to go. He still should be the one to go. Because when he came back in 2013, that was the last time the Knicks made the playoffs. Yep. And the Knicks ain't sniffed the playoffs since. 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 We had Donnie Walsh and Glenn Grunwell. How the hell we go back to Steve Mills? Yeah, that, that, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I know that answer. James Dolan. Yo, listen. You know, I'm the big believer of culture starting from the top. And um, since James Dolan has gotten there, um, hmm. there hasn't really been anything that resembles a culture in New York. And I agree with you on a lot of your points because I don't feel like Fizdale deserved the blame for their start. We do agree that his rotations wasn't that great. I wasn't a big fan of Marcus Morris bringing up the ball more often than not and Julius Randle. Julius Randle. You had about three point guards. I would have put the ball in Alfred Payton's hands for good stretches of the game because even though he can't shoot, he does all of the other things that can help a team be put in a position to win. But he was injured at some of those points to start to cut you off, though, in yeah. his defense. He was, he was injured for a stretch. You know, when he came out, he was called the poor man's Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's, at times, has looked like the poor man's Rondo. Um, but at the same time, when you have a point guard that's a really good game manager and has shown to be a good game manager, you got to put the ball in his hands. I don't think there was no excuse for Fizdale to do that. However, I still don't feel like he should have been the scapegoat. Like, when I seen that, I remember watching that Cleveland game, and I seen Mills and Perry, and they were saying this shit. I'm like, oh, damn. I felt so sorry for Fizdale, and I'm like, yo, this is trash. This is trash behavior. This is messy. That is too mixy. That is too mixy. I'm like, that right there... James Dolan must have yelled at y'all before y'all came out in front of the press. I would have kept it. I would have been like, yo, we keeping this in-house. Talk to Fizz behind the scenes first, and then you got to show a united front. Because they didn't have to address the media after that game. No, they shouldn't have. They didn't, and they shouldn't have. That was in poor taste. And not for nothing, Steve Mills needs to get the axe. He needs to get the axe. Because I'm like, yo, you put the team together. You've been the primary one responsible for bringing in the coaches Right, and not for nothing, they saying James Dolan, he's not staying out of the business. He's not staying out of basketball affairs because he's still finding a way to meddle. He's still finding ways to meddle. Just because you don't hear about him, don't mean he ain't around. Well, he's smart enough to not have people hear about it. Yeah, he's smart enough to have people hear about it. But the fact of the matter is, his loyalty, his loyalty is hurting Knicks fans. Because you could be loyal to, to Steve Mills because he's a loyal employee. Then find something else for him to do within the um, context of the MSG organization. Don't have him managing basketball operations because he sucks. I'm sorry. Six years, no playoff appearances. He need to be gone because he I guarantee you. came back. We're all working people here. Everybody in this room, everybody in this vicinity, they, they, they've punched the clock at one point or another in your life. Do you think any of us regular working folk 
Do you think if we were not performing up to the job responsibilities, you think we'd be able to last as long as um, Steve Mills? Hell no. <laughs> and not for nothing, there's other um, presidents of basketball operation that won't even have that kind of grace period. You just, Steve Mills just lucky to be under incompetent owner and stroke his ego long enough to keep the job. Cause he don't belong there. I'm done. Cause you think I'm he was in Miami. You sorry. think he was in Miami. You think he began away with none of this stuff? Please, Miami's nope. a different culture. Nope. San Antonio. Miami's a different nope. culture. Dallas. And not for nothing, I'm gonna keep it real with you. A lot of the Knicks ineptness comes from Pat Riley leaving New York. Yep. The way he left New York. And that was the old regime. That was the old regime. Because not for nothing, Pat Riley wanted to build what he got in Miami in New York. And the thing about it is New York is the perfect town to fit the identity and the culture that Miami has right now. Yeah, it is. That's why Jimmy Butler's an MVP candidate. Because it's not about his numbers, it's about his impact. And that cult, that, that culture that's being built, that's, that's in Miami, that's 25 years in the making. The Knicks ain't going to have nothing like that because this is what's going to have to happen. Dolan got to go. Dolan's going to have to go. Well, there's only two ways that's going to happen. And that's only two ways that's going to happen. He either going to croak or he going to sell the team. And I'm not even wishing that. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. I'm not even saying that. No, 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 no. I ain't talking about the first part because you're right about the first one. Him selling the team? Oh, we know no. that's not going to happen. He's not going to sell the team. Now, if he gets caught up in that, if he gets, that Sterling If he gets caught case, up like Donald Sterling, yeah, then Donald maybe. Sterling. Yeah, then, then. But um, just in general, like, it starts from the top. And we, we can speak about that as me and Mr. B can speak about that from personal experience. Yo. You know what I'm saying? We're not even going to get into all that. Yo. You know what I'm saying? But the culture starts from the top down. In contrast to what the Nets have built. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can say whatever you want about um, Mikhail Prokhorov. But he had a vision. He wanted the Nets to be... You see where the Nets are going to be at next year? That was his vision for the team. So even though he sold that sold that promise big and fell short, he still put the even though and he put the team back five years because of that KG Paul Pierce trade. We're gonna be honest about that. Yeah. But he set the precedent for the next regime to come in and be like, "Yo, look, we gotta do. We're gonna do what we can to build this culture and make this a place for people want to come and win." And not for nothing, the culture in Brooklyn is way more popping than the culture in in, in um. In the Queens, Knicks. and they're still gonna be the little brothers, just like the Mets, Nets, Mets, Jets, the little brothers in New York run. Well, Giants, Jets, Giants is the big brother. <laughs> Yankees is the big brother. <laughs> the Rangers is the big Giants brother to the Islanders. Would the Islanders really be considered that? Now that I think about it, you know it's funny. The Islanders, Island, it's funny. Actually. The Islanders are actually considered the little brother to the to the Rangers, but the Islanders have more Stanley Cups than the Rangers. Yeah, and they, and they got the Stanley too. Cups in Long Island yeah. during the eighties. Now I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but I do know those Islander clubs of the eighties, those Stanley Cup Islander teams, they can match up with any Stanley Cup champions from every, any era. And the NHL's been around for hundred years. Damn. And they're still considered the um the stepchild to the Rangers. I guess it goes based on popularity and marketing. Popularity and marketing. But where's the results? <laughs> right now, the Knicks are actually trending up contrary to what we may think. Because for the first time in a long time, they got a core group of guys where we could say, like, yo, we could actually build a team around these guys. Mitchell Robinson has gotten better. R.J. Barrett's showing potential. Kevin Knox has improved. Uh, I like Damian Dotson too. Sometimes he's hit a miss. Frank Nilakina, who's been catching a lot of slack for his first two years in New York, is starting to trend upward. You're starting to see him getting his confidence, starting to grow. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, if you want to go between that, that's between Marcus Morris or um, Marcus Morris and Julius or Randall. Julius Randle. But they've been like, especially Marcus Morris, because you know Marcus Morris is a rave. Those dudes that's not. He ain't one of those, like, you don't really, like, walk up in his face and he going to sit there and take that. He said at the beginning of the season, nobody's mm-hmm. going to be disrespecting us in the garden. Granted, that has happened. Oh, but, more, more often than not. But, 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 he doesn't back down, though. And that's, yes. he's, he's, even though he's from Philly, he has that New Yorkers mentality. It's, it's v- the East Coast thing. It's a, yeah, you know it what I'm is. saying? Like, most East Coast cities are, like, it is. hard hat. Lunch bucket. No nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Clocking, but we don't got no franchise players. But 
you got it's kind of like when you look at the Clippers, right? Remember their identity last year, and for them to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, to, those two stars fitting in seamless with those with those guys that are hardworking workhorses, guys that can accept their role and take pride in their role. Because I'm a big believer in you don't have to average 20 points to be a star in the league. Nope. To be a star in the league means you do your role and you do it exceptionally well. Draymond's considered a star in the league. Draymond's considered a star in the league. Literally. Ben Wallace was considered a star in the league, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And he was probably the most dominant defensive player of his era. And he only averaged six points a game. But his defensive impact kept, um, you know, it prolonged Dwayne Wade from winning the finals for at least one year. And not for nothing, after Ben Wallace left, those Detroit Pistons team still made the conference finals but they weren't the same defensively because Ben Wallace was a transcendent player player but he didn't average 20 points same thing with Dennis Rodman transcendent player didn't average 20 points you're a star when you do what you do well and you accept your role then you buy in Montrez, that's to me, that's Montrez what made Montrez Harrell look good as, as a too. guy that's like he looks like a star because he embraces his role and he embraces the identity Pat Beverly to me is a star because he embraces his role he embraces his role and he embraces the identity of the team that embraces his role. Knicks haven't had that since the 90s. And think about it like this now. I want y'all to remember this. In 2020, we are 20 years away from the last time the Knicks made it to the conference finals. They lost to Indiana yeah, in yeah, Indiana in the same, Reggie Miller had 17 yeah. points in the fourth quarter of game six. And then that was the last time Patrick Ewing was in Madison Square Garden. Damn. That was 20 years ago. I was six years old at that point. It was 20 years ago. I want Knicks fans to remember that. Damn. Let's keep that in perspective. On the contrary, since 2000, the New, the, the New Jersey Brooklyn Nets have been um, a model of consistency for professional basketball in this tri-state area. They got two finals appearances, and they've made their fair share of playoff runs and had their fair share of moments. And even when there wasn't necessarily a culture, what it, what it looked like, the Nets were still, they still had talented players. They still had the franchise playing Jason Kidd and Vince Carter for a stretch. They drafted Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez had some good years. They had Kenyon Martin, too. They had Kenyon Martin. We can't even forget Kenyon Martin, Richard can't Jefferson. can't forget Kenyon Martin. You know? But long story short, the Nets has had, for even with this generation, they've had a more long string of success. That's why when Nick fans took it real personal with what KD said on that um, interview with Ebro, despite them being trolling, whatever, KD's right. Like this generation of bas- young basketball fans in New York, they're more familiar with the Nets being more successful than the Knicks. Than the Knicks. So the next generation, contrary to popular belief, the gap between the Nets and the Knicks is going to be closer. Because of the fact that if you're going to be a Knicks fan after 2010, you're probably a legacy Knicks fan. I guess that If makes you're a Nets fan after 2010, you grew up watching them be more successful more often than not. And not for nothing, we want to talk about the young players that the Nets have. Karis LeVert. Ah, oh, he came back. I'm so glad he did. Jared Allen. Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, who the Nets can flip for another piece if they want to. Or he can be... He can be the super six man, like James Harden was in Oklahoma, like Lewis Williams is in the on the Clippers. The Nets got they, and then their owner, he's not going to stop at no expense to make sure that the Nets are competitive, and he's going to hold and he's going to help them lock down that that um that Asian market, and he's going to make sure that yo. As long as I'm owner, this team's going to have everything that they need to succeed, and I'm going to hold them accountable. The Knicks don't have that. They're playing better under Mike Miller, and I still think their future is bright, but there's a lot of things that they got to figure out in that front office. Like, get rid of Steve Mills. That's a start. Yeah, they got to get get rid of him first. You don't go from Donnie Walsh and Glenn Grunwald and, and back to Steve Mills. Yeah, and as of right now, for the coach thing, let's keep Mike Miller. Let's evaluate him at the end of the season. But so far, I like him. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing a lot harder. I mean, as and we always said this, said this like, and we said this before we started this up again. Realistic Nick fans <laughs> will sit there and know it's like, okay, we don't expect you guys to be this team to make a, It's not like a 2K where I sit there and say, like, I'm on the Knicks in 2K, right? <laughs> and you don't expect somebody to come in and just take you all the way to the finals and win in a Cinderella story. But if you compete 
and you play hard, and you know what? And fans get to sit there and have their money's worth for a game. Nobody wants to go to the Garden, the most world's famous arena, only to see the team get blown out. At that point, you just sit there and stay home and not watch the game at that point. So if you just have that New Yorkers mentality where they got to get up early in the morning, get the kids dressed up for school, get yourself to work, come home, then still do what you got to do at home, that's what really a New Yorker is all about. You know, just no matter how much you don't want to do it, you don't like doing it, you still know you got to do it anyway. You do the damn job well. Then when you come home, you sit there and see like, okay, you got a basketball game. Try, compete. That's what we tell our kids. Yeah. Try, compete, do your best. When you sit there and see your team just getting blown on, you ain't got no, like the last game, who they play against the last game? Who? The Knicks, I forgot who they um, the Suns? It's the Suns, yeah, and it's like, y'all started off well, then y'all just let Phoenix start mollywhopping you. It's like, yo. And granted, Phoenix has been playing a lot better, but that's still a beatable team. Still a beatable team. And a team that the Knicks could have beaten. So... The same way you got up for Miami, you sat there and competed from beginning to the end, is the same way you should be every day. Yeah, it every has to game. Be some type of consistency. And, um, you know, like us as coaches, we don't necessarily coach for wins and losses, um, but we coach. One thing we try to coach is um, competitive pride. And there's nights when the Knicks have it, and there's nights when the Knicks don't have it. And it also comes down to respecting your opponent. Um, I think. And that's one of the things I like with the Nets with Kenny Atkinson because he prepares every he prepares for every team every game um, and he tries to keep the message consistent with the effort. And I'm not saying that Mike Miller hasn't done that because I feel like he has since he's taken over. Mm-hmm. But it's also you have to embrace the city that you live in. I always say you know no matter where you go, we live in a social media era, so the media is going to be the media. Of course, right? Once you get past that, you start playing ball. And it's between those four lines. All that goes out the window. All that goes out the window. Out the but window. you also got to remember the identity of the city that you are playing for. Most times, a lot of teams are a reflection of the city that they live in, like yeah. Philly. Yeah. You know, um, Philly's a great example of that. Boston, all the East Coast cities are hard, hard, you know, hard pale hats. Even like the mid, even like the um, smaller markets have um, a blue collar mentality to a certain extent. Indiana, the great teams are teams that play up to the identity of the city that they're in. Now, the hard part with Brooklyn is they can surpass that because um, gentrify as Brooklyn is not the Brooklyn that a lot of New Yorkers know. Um, so (laughs) that that's a whole nother conversation. But overall, Brooklyn's embracing their identity, and they've created um, a culture that are like players around the league. Is players around the league? They looking at it like this: Is there a choice to play in New York? And if that choice is to play in New York, I'm probably gonna play in Brooklyn first. Mm-hmm. They're the better organization. You know, I'm loyal to my soil, foolishly, but I'm loyal. To yeah, my we, soil. we we we. We got foolish loyalties because, trust me, as a Jets fan, I sat through the 90s. A lot of folks forget the Giants weren't that great in the 90s, too, after the, um, the second Super Bowl. They had a whole decade of the Jets. Yeah. And the Giants had a decade of futility in the 90s. And so did the Mets to the late 90s. They didn't start emerging until they got Piazza. These things happen in cycles. I know what the Knicks has been over the last 20 years, but look, man, the Nets before 2001, they were in a in a rut in the last 20 years. We thought they were coming up in the mid-90s, but then Drazen Petrovic died, Kenny Anderson gets traded, Derek Anderson's gone. There goes, there goes that era of Nets basketball. You know, so these things happen in cycles. You know, so I always try to tell Knicks fans, like, yo, we, before we, we rebuilding, we're gonna we're gonna always try our best to be supportive and patient, but at the same time we gotta hold the front office accountable all the time, feet to the fire. But then as long as we're showing up and we're paying top dollar to watch the Knicks lose and suck like that, <laughs> James Dolan's gonna think everything is fine. Cause his thing is that they y'all coming to the games anyway. Well, granted, if we're gonna give them some credit, they are being at least more smart and self-conscious of what they're doing. It's not like like this last free agency. A lot of people said they say, oh, they draft, they signed a bunch of powerful, but yeah, okay, they did. They got to go sign somebody. So, but it's not like they gave them these ludicrous deals where they're like there for like, Julius Randle's the only one in the free agency we gave for more than a year. And granted, he has a player option the next one. So it's not like we signed these dudes to long, lucrative contracts. So they're being smarter about that. And I know there's a lot of talk where they wanted to pursue Andre Drummond, which 
kind of don't make sense. Well, it does make sense, but it doesn't because you're Mitchell Robinson. But there's no need. And then they say, like, nah, we're not going to trade for him because get him in the offseason, which, again, will make more sense. So you got to give them some credit yeah, where they're absolutely. starting to be a bit smarter about the, what, the they're that means, what they're doing. And that means they're starting to realize their past transgressions of what hindered them for the long haul in it anyway. So you got to give them some credit with that. Now, it's a little too late. <laughs> but but if they're not willing to sacrifice certain pieces in order just to get a player who may not stay there, then I'm all cool with that. Because like Marcus Morris, you know, of course, within talks of people looking at the Knicks of who they can get from Marcus Morris, the first name that comes on the list. Who? I know the Clippers are looking at him. Mm-hmm. I know some other teams are looking at him, too. I don't remember who, but I know the Clippers is one of the teams looking at him. And, you know, Marcus Morris, you know, he came out and said he wanted to be a Nick, which, okay, fine. Appreciate that. You know, I respect it. And, you know, he has, like I said, you, very few players that come to the Knicks and develop that New York mentality. But And the Knicks came out and said, you know, we're not trading him unless we know, which I know you're not getting a star player for, but if we could get, they're going to get a high draft pick anyway. So unless we get, like, a star player, some, you know, other requisite pieces, we'll keep him. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell it to you like this. For Marcus Morris, you give me if I can get a, um, a a draft pick for him, and some guys that are gonna contribute. Like if Phoenix wanted to trade, like Kelly Oubre, and even nah, they're not giving no. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying. But <laughs> if they was, not like, just nah, saying. But if you was good. like to get, they fleece Washington for that. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, look, Washington, know they stress for that right now. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just naming a guy, any like, a guy for example, like Kelly Oubre. If they was to say, you know, someone like him, eh, okay, maybe. Because he's younger, too, and he's starting to come along really well. But, you know, somebody somebody like that. They might, okay, but until then, keep him. Let him be that mentor to the young guys in there. Because that's really what the Knicks need is a mentor, too. Because they got a lot of younger dudes on there. Let him mentor him and then still find a way to, I would say, keep him. Because he could still score, too. And that's the reason why I think they signed him. Because they saw what he can do in Boston. Because mm-hmm. Boston probably was his best years when he was in Boston sitting there playing with them groups. So I say keep him until you can get somebody better or not. Like I say, you still keep him if you can't get nobody in free agency. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt to sign him. Just don't give him no long, ludicrous deal. <laughs> it will be a hey. Um, but I think all in all, I think for both teams, they it's just the same thing. Just make the smart deal that's going to work out for you, um, work out for your team. Um, I'm not worried about that with the Nets. It's always more so with the Knicks. And um, I think as um, the season goes on, we're going to kind of get a clearer picture for, you know, what's going to happen. And um, we just, this just actually just came in as we were about to um, finish out the episode. The Blazers traded for Trevor Ariza, and they sent um, Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second-round picks to the Kings for Ariza, Wendy and Gabriel, and Caleb Swain again. So um, Portland's making moves. Um, you know, as you can, you know, teams are going to start taking form, so we might see more Marcus Morris rumors bring up in the future. But um, all in all, I think either way, both teams have the bright future. Nets next year, KD comes back. It's going to be a whole different ball picture. We didn't even get to the Kyrie comments, but um, long story short, Kyrie still got a long way to go in the Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie. You know what I mean? We might. We, I think we're gonna go on IG live and talk about that. So if you follow us on IG, Hoops is a religion. Just be on the lookout for that discussion. Um, damn Kyrie damn damn damn, 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 damn Kyrie like damn KD can you tell your man to just know what I mean nah KD no better no 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 KD, yo look KD be, be saying stuff too but KD don't be KD ain't no better trust me K, but KD ain't, ain't, ain't throwing teammates on the bus like nah, that he ain't but he ain't, he ain't no better he ain't no better but he gotta I feel like KD's farther along than you know, um, then Kyrie. You know what that was in those comments? Sensitivity. Hey, we all sensitive. sensitive. <laughs> One way or the other. But not like Kyrie or KD, though. <laughs> they in the wrong city for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> wrong city. But um, I think on that note, that's pretty much the the, the local hoops report from my perspective. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say after that. Because if we get it out, we gonna be here for another hour. <laughs> so we're gonna save that for the next episode. Or for IG Live. Um Yeah, we here man. We back. I would like to thank y'all for tuning into this episode. Shout out to Rec Room Studios for always hosting us. 
And um, be on the lookout because um, we got we got things coming up. Regulators basketball. We getting ready for our AAU spring season. Um, and we getting ready to um, also bring in a few um, special guests. Um, I didn't forget about the original people that are listening to this. They say, yo, I want to be on the show. I want to be on the show. Don't worry. Yeah, you gonna they been, they, they've been asking. They've been asking. Don't they've worry. Y'all going to get that call soon. I'm going to get that call soon. Just be ready to pull up. You know, but um, once again, thank everybody that's been listening. Shout out to the B7 squad. Shout out to DVD. Shout out to the regime. You know, shout out to the fam. Shout out to Fritzo. Shout out to Mums. Mums of Fritzo podcast. Hashtag. You already know. Is anybody you want to shout out before we get up out of here? Oh, I did that already before. That's why I get out the way. All right, you got it out the way in the beginning. So, yeah, yo, we back, yo. Follow us on IG, Hoops is a Religion. Catch us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. Google Play. Google Play. Anything with your local podcast Anything platforms. that has podcasts, look for us. We on there. We're going to be dropping a lot more content soon, so please stay tuned. Stay, be on the lookout. Keep on supporting. Keep on following. And, yo, we're going to catch up with y'all on the next one, all right? We out. Peace.